Hello, my name is Jeff and I'm Professional Services Director at ShieldPay. Welcome to the Shieldcast. The Shieldcast is our podcast on which ShieldPay friends, partners and clients come to talk about things that matter to them in our wider industry and anything else worth talking about. In this second series of the Shieldcast, we are turning to the theme of modern law and today's practice of the law. And what does this mean to law firms, lawyers, regulators, legal tech companies, and ultimately, consumers? We've been talking with industry thought leaders in a four-part series that gives an in-depth insight into their views and how the world of law is being shaped through innovation and technology. What is considered the cutting edge of legal tech is broadly synonymous with discussions around the use of AI and machine learning for e-discovery and document automation and, and robot lawyers. But the often overlooked part of legal tech ecosystems are the tools that help with legal transaction management. Today's guest to the Shieldcast is Daniel Porras from Legatix, and we're going to be talking about just that, how attitudes to legal tech are changing and what it means to scale a legal tech business and anything else we can get round to. Daniel, welcome to the Shieldcast. Thank you very much for having me, Jeff. So Daniel is Chief Commercial Officer at Legatix, and prior to Legatix, Daniel worked as a corporate solicitor at leading New Zealand and Australian firms. His frustrations with the inefficiencies of his day-to-day practice ultimately led him to Cambridge to do an MBA. Following business school, Daniel has been combining his interest in technology and knowledge of the working practices of lawyers at Legatix to address what has driven him away from the law and help to improve its practice for lawyers of the future. So that's something that is also very close to my heart, uh, making the practice of lawyers better for the for the lawyers of the future. So I'm very excited to be talking to you about Legatix and about all things legal tech today. So to kick things off, please give us your elevator pitch, your 30 second pitch on, on Legatix and who your clients are. Excellent. Thanks so much, Jeff. So yeah, essentially Legatix is an intuitive transaction management platform and we simplify and automate the management and conclusion of legal transactions. So what we do is we put users at the heart of our design to improve legacy working methods and thereby increasing collaboration, efficiency and transparency. Our customers are a lot of the world's top law firms. Uh, so some of our customers include firms like Allen & Overy, Hogan Lovells and, and Herbert Smith Freehills. Something that I thought might be worth doing is just to help conceptualise it a little bit just give a bit of an example as to sort of how we used and and the pain point that we're addressing so essentially lawyers are still very heavily dependent on very large lists and manual processes when they organize their transactions so if we use an example of like financing a wind farm or a power station what lawyers do is they have the underlying loan agreement but then they'll have a checklist which they're using to manage the process and this is typically done you know using Microsoft Word and this table in Word is sent out to the various parties and the second it's sent out it's out of date emails are flying back and forth nobody really knows what's going on so they have to sit on very lengthy all parties calls and then it's a junior lawyer's job typically to go through to update the checklist recirculate it around and repeat the process again so what Legatix does is it provides a platform to automate these processes providing a central store of truth for the transaction documentation and real-time visualization of the transaction status for all the counterparties via the Legatix dashboard well Daniel if only that had been available when I was still in private practice. I think I might have been able to stay a bit longer. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a tool that I've watched you guys grow over the last few years. And, and I'm very excited to see how well it's been going. And what's interesting for me is that you're, you really are 
dealing with a pain point that is for lawyers, particularly around doing those transactions. Does your position or your previous career as a lawyer give you that unique insight? Is it essential to the success of Legatics that you uh, and your co-founder were were lawyers? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting one, uh, Jeff. I mean, something that we see with a lot of legal tech companies is uh, that there are uh, a number of lawyers who are part or former lawyers who are part of the founding team. And, And certainly it's been... Uh, quite an essential part of our success to date. But I would say that it can be both a blessing and a curse. On, <laughs> on, on the positive side, uh, I think naturally lawyers don't like being sold to. And, uh, you know, when, when you're taking a legal technology product to market, as we've done with, with Legatics, as a former lawyer, it really helps to be able to empathise with prospective customers, which helps to create the more sort of consultative selling style, which seems to go down a lot better with senior stakeholders within law firms. Mm -hmm. The other way that it's been really positive is in the provision of support for users who are using the system. Uh, but also with product development, when feedback is given, you don't have to first ask the users to explain how the transaction works. As former transactional lawyers, we get it, and it enables us to then, based on our personal experience, translate these insights to the development team, which then helps to really ensure that the product is really fit for purpose. I think that's a, it's really interesting because we, you know, we are also a team of, of lawyers and ex-accountants and so on at ShieldPay, and, and that has been remarked by our clients too that you know you're kind of an extension to our team, um, even though you're you know a tech provider. So you know helping to a certain extent. I'm not going to say structure the deals, yeah. but be, in, be involved or, or give some some ideas as to how it could be done better with our knowledge of our system. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think I think it creates much more of a sort of partnership in, in the relationship between, you know, the vendor and law firm, acknowledging that both passionate about sort of implementing the change, but also being cognizant of how busy lawyers are and not requiring them to spend lots of time just explaining what they're doing before we can then really understand and give both support and ensure that the product is developed in a really useful way. I did note that there's sort of a, a negative side to having a team of, of former lawyers as well. <laughs> so I think it's probably worth just touching on that. I, I think the, the negative of one of the negatives of, of being a former lawyer is that typically you're not you, you don't have experience as a sales uh, salesperson or account manager or product manager. And you know what I've noted is as a startup and now uh, a scale up, it does require quite different skills. You know, as as a lawyer, you're trained to identify risk for your clients. You tend to be quite risk averse. Whereas when scaling up a, a legal tech company, you have to get comfortable with often a heightened level of risk and, and moving really quickly and being comfortable with sometimes breaking things or things not working quite as you've anticipated. So yeah, slightly slightly different mindset that's sometimes required to, to being a lawyer. That's very true. Talking of mindset, whenever I talk to people, it's law firms and, and banks are the most difficult people to get to change. So if you're trying to sell to any of them, it's nigh on impossible or you need to find the right person on alternative Thursday who has a good feeling about it to, to actually pick up the phone or to talk to. And then their priorities change because they're very busy people. So it's trying to find those ends is incredibly difficult, but also trying to get companies like that to adopt new technologies is something that we've found a challenge. Have you seen that change in the time that you've been doing Legatics and, and generally and, 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 and what's what's been the cause of that change if there is one? I think that's an excellent question, Jeff. I think... I think adoption of technology generally is a challenge. I think it's something that, as you've mentioned, the legal industry, the financial industry is is finding challenging, but many other sectors as well. If I think about the Legatics journey, even just over the last three years, as, as we've really been scaling up the bringing of the Legatics product to market, 
a lot of the time, even just three years ago, was having to be spent really explaining to the market why they should be thinking about legal transaction management. Whereas now there's no question. It's people very much get what the pain point is, why they need to be thinking about it. And it's very much seen as as an item on the law firm's sort of must-have list of, of legal technology. And in terms of how the industry as a whole has changed, that's been interesting as well. I still remember when I was, you know, initially getting really interested in legal tech back in the early sort of 2010s. This was back in, in Australia where I was practicing at the time. There was a huge amount of hype around AI, smart contracts, blockchain, and while there have been some you know, really amazing solutions that have been developed in that space and, and many firms have been over the last 10 years been very publicly procuring these products and issuing press releases around them, anecdotally we have heard from several of our customers the challenges that they've found with actually bringing them in and getting practical adoption. Uh, of the tools, but particularly the last couple of years, is been an increased focus on automation and the you know document automation has has been a big focus. But we've also seen that process automation, which is the space that Legatic sits in, has also been a big focus area. And I, I think there've been a couple of main uh, of, of large drivers for that. The first, in my view, is the immediate impact that customers can see from from bringing in automation to their practices. You know, we've. Um, the manual work that, that lawyers do on their transaction, the creating of lists, the updating them, the sitting on lengthy calls, that manual work is the first that typically gets written off on transactions. And the trend has been towards more and more work being done on capped fee and, and fixed fee basis, which means that there's now more of an incentive to actually be more efficient with your time as a lawyer as opposed to less efficient. So, you know, we've seen up to a 75% reduction in, in junior lawyer resourcing that's required to manage some of the transactions. And that's uh... Very impressive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and anecdotally, we've also had like, you know, some of these huge transactions that we've been used on, some of the partners involved have, have mentioned that it saved, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds of, of write-offs on these transactions. So really significant savings. So I'd say that's the one point. It's quite easy to implement and you get very tangible results quite quickly. The second driver that we've seen, and, th- and this has continued to evolve, is the client-driven demand for the use of legal technology. And what's now quite common is clients require their firms to really demonstrate their use of legal technology as part of a uh, often a prerequisite for uh, being on a client's panel. And it's going a step beyond that now as well when it comes to either the panel appointments or client pitches, where it's not just lip service saying a tick box, yes, we, we use technology, but actually demonstrating what efficiency savings you've gained and also how you're passing that on to us, the client. So developing case studies with our customers has been really powerful to help them have material for their pitches, you know, the demonstrable impact that's seen from actually using Legatics on transaction uh, on their transactions is, has really helped to drive that. And the, the nature of having a, a transaction platform is that it's not just the lawyers, but the clients and the counterparties that are actually exposed to it. And, you know, often once a client experiences using transaction management platform like Legatics on their transaction, there's you know there's no going back they um they've seen that there's a better way to do it it creates a greater stickiness with with their law firm but also we've seen how it really helps to drive the demand they go off to the other law firm that they're next using on a transaction and they say we'd like to use legatics and you know we've really seen the power of that network effect over over the last few years it's very true i was on the network effect of legatics i was talking to a former colleague of mine in fact this this weekend was mentioned that i was going to be talking to you today and he mentioned that he'd been on the other side of a deal where 
website where you guys had been used. Uh, so you are getting around. I think it's it's fascinating that people are changing in that in that world because it's demonstrating that there's a slight shift in the business models of law firms as well. Where in the past you would have been a solution like Legatics would have been told to go away because those were all billable hours that they could have charged the decline. But now firms are having to you know and this is you know the the aim of, of these discussions around what the modern law is like. So the modern law firm and the transactional law firms are now having to change the way that they do things because our clients are asking for things different. And that's, I think, one of the one of the things that is most interesting. And I wonder how, how that's going to go even further now, right? Because what is the COVID effect? Because uh, where in the past you'd have all party meetings in person, partners would be flying across the world for meetings and etc. and for these transaction deals. So I think there's going to be an even greater change towards those kind of things and consciousness around all of that. How have you seen the effect of COVID on your business and generally your, your view on, on things? Yeah, it's been really interesting, Jeff, to sort of see how things have played out during COVID. What we've seen is an overall increasing trend of adoption with legal tech more generally. Just before COVID, during COVID, if anything, I feel that COVID has really accelerated thinking around this and particularly around transaction management. Briefly mentioned before, transaction management is now very much a must-have category on a law firm's legal tech shopping list. If we sort of think about when COVID hit earlier this year, what we saw from customers is the initial focus was around making sure that their core IT was working, you know, that they had uh, laptops so they could work from home, that they had access to all of their files, the next focus was then on how can we communicate with our teams who are all working remotely now and with our and with our clients. So video conferencing was quickly prioritized. And we, uh, you know, I think if you look at the markets, you look at Microsoft Teams and the, sh- the share price for Microsoft <laughs> took off and, and many other providers like Zoom, et cetera, as well. So, you know, video conferencing was the next priority. The focus then was, right, we're set up with all of that. How are we going to close our deals in a remote way? So while there'd been hesitancy around using electronic signature, for example, suddenly people were forced to actually close their deals using e-signature. So, you know, we've seen big uptick in use of tools like DocuSign and and other e-signature platforms. We actually prioritized uh, an integration with DocuSign during COVID, which has been incredibly popular. But what was interesting is once all of that had happened, which was the mad flurry of the first, you know, week or so, the next question was, how can we now actually more effectively collaborate and manage our transactions with remote teams? And this is where there's been you know even greater interest in legatics so the positive and negative effect is um <laughs> that the negative effect is that with the slowdown in in the market there's been a decrease in overall deal volumes um and then there've been budget cuts you know firms have been having to, to furlough staff and and look at other ways of reducing spend but despite all of this um i can just speak to some of the statistics that we've seen through the platform we've we've had our highest ever quarter um of new customer signups so we've had more than three times as many new customers as the average for the previous quarters back to the beginning of 2018. We've seen over the past 12 months, actually, we've had month-on-month increase of matter openings of 14%. And for several months during COVID, it's been greater than 25% month-on-month. So, you know, really seeing the impact of the move to remote working and how COVID is accelerating adoption in the space. And we do feel very fortunate as a company, actually, Jeff, because, you know, while all these other businesses are, you know, having to furlough staff and and cut costs, we've actually uh, had the great fortune 
of actually being able to continue to grow. So, so um, you know, yeah. for example, we've actually uh, onboarded several new staff during COVID and increased our, our headcount head by uh, 25% since March. We're fortunate as well at Shield Bay and that those are amazing numbers to have the, uh, not the similar story of growth uh, over this period as people look to take their transactions in a different direction or, or at least are open to that. I think what's been interesting talking to participants in the sector over the last few weeks where people are now sort of able mm. to analyse the data over the last six months, over the last period of, of lockdown in the hope that it's, you know, we're coming out of it. But people are seeing demand for their services being a lot of more inquiries, a lot more people taking things further than they would have done before. Uh, not necessarily as a knee-jerk reaction to problems that they're having at the time, but as a result of having taken this period to reflect upon where they want to take their businesses next and where they're going to be cost-cutting or where they might be wanting to improve services on the wake of all of this. So, yeah, I think it's a great time to be in the space that we're in. I think it's only got to grow. One of the things that I would ask you about is you guys are, you know, you, you're you from Australia and uh, Legatix is now global. How, how global is that? How many practices in different law firms different countries have you got as clients and what's it been like scaling the business internationally and what have been the difficulties around doing that yeah so um at last count we've got customers very much all over the world and we've got deals that are being originated now in more than 30 countries it, it wasn't necessarily by design to grow that quickly <laughs> the nature of working with you know large global law firms is that they take the product globally very quickly so again talking to that network effect if one team has a great experience and they tell their colleagues elsewhere. Often there are multiple jurisdictions involved on a single deal, even if one particular jurisdiction is, is leading on it. So uh, word spreads in that way. And then when other jurisdictions start using it, then there are new law firms that get exposed to it on, on the other side of transactions and new clients, etc. So we've been, we've been really fortunate in that regard. It's been interesting to see the different trends over time. You know, the recent upticks in adoption we've seen in, in Latin America, in Eastern Europe, in Africa. In terms of some of the early adopters, it does vary from firm to firm, but we as a company actually saw some really great early adoption from the Netherlands and, and some of the Scandinavian firms or Scandinavian offices who seemed pretty willing to get stuck in and to try new technology. And having spoken to some other legal technology companies, they've seen similar trends in that regard. We've also found that some of the smaller offices of the large global firms have had higher adoption rates. So for example, Eastern Europe, some of the offices in South Africa have had quite high levels of adoption. And and having spoken to some of the users on deals there, part of that is actually down to fee pressure that they have in those jurisdictions. And quite often the teams in those offices are smaller and they're having to do a lot more with less. But yeah, you have to acknowledge it does vary from, from practice area to practice area in different jurisdictions. So what you 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 know you mentioned earlier on in, in our discussion that you've, you're starting now really to a next phase of growth for Legatics. And I guess there's, there's going to be two parts to what I'd like to ask you about there firstly is is like is for all legal tech companies out there how do you market and run sales to these high-end law firms that are difficult to penetrate and to find the right person and to follow up with in these busy people how how have you guys gone about doing it to date and and, and how well we'll get on to scaling in a second but how do you guys do that at the moment yeah, Jeff. So I think we, we probably had the fortune of starting out commercializing the product back when law firms hadn't set up large innovation teams and and had more defined procurement processes for emerging technology. So I think the selling process to law firms has changed over recent years. Initially, the process would be getting in contact with generally senior partners within the firm, and, and they'd be the ones who'd be making some of the key decisions regarding procuring 
uh, new technology. Increasingly now there are dedicated innovation teams or someone who's appointed within the companies to actually make an assessment of the, the best product to bring in for the firm. So that certainly has evolved and we're seeing that a lot of the discussions now are much more tailored towards those teams. And, and I think it's, a, it's, it's largely a positive thing. It's um, helping to ensure that technology is not being brought in in a haphazard way and that when it's being brought in, there's a focus both from the vendors but also from the law firms to actually ensure that it's not software that just is procured and then sits on the shelf, that it's actually being practically used and adopted. But yeah, sort of coming back to our initial approach, we were probably just quite fortunate in the early days to get some really excited early adopters who got the software in. We've always had this approach of focusing on our end users and ensuring that they're having a good experience. And really the positive experience that our end users have had uh, from day one has been really key to our success. So we've we've actually op- operated to date with a very small sales force and almost no marketing budget. And really most of the sales and marketing has been through use of the platform itself. Word of mouth, people having good experiences, the network effect by counterparties seeing it, enjoying it, wanting to use it on subsequent transactions. So that's been our experience. I think it's potentially slightly more challenging now if, you, if you've got a new legal technology product that's coming to market. There are more defined processes that you have to go through and who you have to speak to. But I know firms are very focused as well on how they can reduce the procurement process, which is one of the big challenges for legal technology companies that particularly emerging ones that are that are looking to sell to big firms. So it was it was the Wild West and now it's a little bit more structured and you've got to go through the bureaucracy potentially of uh, innovations teams is, is kind of what we're saying. Or do you think that it's actually been made more streamlined? Procurement has always been a challenge. Um, the nature of, and this this isn't exclusive to to law firms, right? Like you'd have the same contracting with with any large corporate, particularly financial institutions, which I'm sure you deal with at ShieldPay. The reality is, even if we were able to get to some of the decision makers early and sort of get a yes to wanting to use it, you've still got to go through the contract negotiation process. You've got to go through information security, which is paramount, you know, particularly part of it depends on the product that you're selling. But for us, it's a, it's a transaction management platform. You're putting all of your confidential information up on, on our platform. You want to ensure that it's secure and that all of the, you know, the relevant checks have been, um, have been made. So al- although it's now maybe a, a prolonging the process slightly in terms of finding the right decision makers and going through these additional processes. There were certainly challenges even for us in, in those in those early days with procurement. Cool. Well, so what are the plans for Legatix? Where, where, where are you going to take it? What's the next stages for you guys? Yeah, so the big focus for us now is really scaling up our operations. For some time now, we've very clearly found out our product market fit. We are becoming, for many firms now, business as usual on their transactions. You know, we started out focusing largely on banking and finance transactions, but we're now being used across all transaction types. So it's now about really continuing to work with our customers to ensure sure really strong return on investment a greater number of use cases and a lot of that is really doubling down on what we've seen has been the success to date and that is focusing in on our on our end users so we're investing a lot in that we're growing out a lot of our customer facing teams we're also realizing that it's a time when as much as having a team of former lawyers has been really valuable to the company it's actually 
useful now to bring in some experts in their relevant fields. So we've developed an operations team and have you know a really wonderful team there who are, who are non-lawyers. We've just brought in a, a head of marketing who has you know wonderful marketing experience. So it's starting to identify where are these hmm. knowledge and expertise gaps and starting to fill them. But the, the way that we're heading and really our goal is to, for anyone, whether you're a lawyer or a client, when you're running a legal transaction, you know, if you wake up in the morning and, and you want to go and, and run a legal transaction or see the status of a transaction you're working on, the first thought is to go to Legatix uh, in order to do that. And we're certainly heading in that direction, but for us, it's just about how can we scale up our operations to uh, in, ensure that we can do that effectively. How exciting. I look forward to following that journey. So one thing that I like to uh, ask when they come on the show is what has been the most formative part of your career so far? Like, What, what do you think's made you as a Daniel Porus now at Legatics? <laughs> it's an interesting question, Jeff, because I think there are probably two key formative aspects. Uh, I know that's not, if you're asking for a single one, I'd, I'd probably have to go back to my, to my days being a lawyer, which I do really think put me on the trajectory to where I am now. But then also just really taking the leap to move from the law to working in this much, you know, the fast paced, somewhat crazy environment of, of scaling up a, a legal tech company has, has been huge as well. But to draw on the first one, going back to, um, I, I think the most formative thing for me was my early experiences working in a large firm. You know, there were some of the most challenging years of my life. I, <laughs> I can empathize uh, with you on that one. Yeah, I, I look back at how much I did, you know, the hours I worked and also just what I was capable of. And I never had uh, imagined that I'd be capable of operating at that kind of level. The attention to detail that I learned, I was not particularly good with attention to detail. Um, I learned that being in a law firm, <laughs> the, the red pen all over my work <laughs> for a long time. until Familiar I, with that know, too. Yeah, um, but also just resilience, you know, like... Figuring out how to deal with stress and challenges and that's really put me in a really good stead to be doing what I am now. So I think there's been a huge amount of value that I've got from working as a lawyer for the, for the approximately six years that I was in private practice. Personally, it's not something that I, I think I'd want to go back to, but it really helped to set me up and get me to where I am now. Well, uh, Daniel, on, on so many levels, I can empathise with you on those like parting comments. It's been a fascinating discussion today to hear more about legatics and, and how you're creating a, you know, a user-centric legal transaction management platform and how you're going to scale it across the world. And it's hugely inciting and, and motivating for, I'm sure, lots of people. So good luck. And I'm sure we will have the opportunity to speak again. But um, until then, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Jeff. And if anyone would like, feel free to follow us on LinkedIn and feel free to connect with me directly as well. We worked hard for putting this together and hope that you have found this interesting. If you like this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss the next one. We would also, of course, be grateful if you could give us a good rating and share it with your friends or colleagues. If you would like to get in contact and provide some positive criticism, or you would like to find out more about the services Shieldpay has to offer, please head over to shieldpay.com where you will find a Contact Us page and lots of useful additional resources. Thank you for listening and goodbye for now.